Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me a half hour. This is Locked on ACC, February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2020. I am Brian Wilmer of FB Schedules and College Hoops Digest. I am your host. Missed the uh, program yesterday due to obligations around a nationally televised basketball game. We won't talk about that, but we will talk about ACC baseball and softball today. Baseball has its opening day. Get into that. Also, some comments on basketball from Wednesday night, since we weren't on yesterday. And a look ahead at this weekend's basketball action, and maybe something silly, because it's Valentine's weekend, why not? If you want to contact the program, you can tweet us at LockedOnACC. You can also email us, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. If you want to send us voice memos, keep them clean, keep them of value, we'll run them on the program. Let's go ahead and start by talking about ACC baseball, because... As we mentioned, it is opening day for ACC Baseball. As we bring this to you, we have two games already in the books, another few underway, and some more coming tonight. Thus far, already final, San Diego State 7, Virginia Tech 5, that the Baseball at the Beach tournament down at Coastal Carolina University in Conway, South Carolina, just down the road from here a bit. Also, Pittsburgh over Indiana State 11-1 that the Snowbird Classic in Port Charlotte, Florida. Seton Hall and number 18 Wake Forest tied at 3, top 7. Number 23 North Carolina over Middle Tennessee 5-2 in the bottom of the 4th. Boston College over Northern Illinois 4-2, top 5. Number 16 NC State leads JMU 2-0, bottom 5. Army and number 15 Duke scoreless in the top of the 3rd. Liberty and Clemson scoreless, bottom 2. St. Peter's and number 19, Georgia Tech, just underway. Notre Dame, UAB, scoreless top three. Pittsburgh and St. Joseph's today. Number one, Louisville at number 25, Ole Miss. Niagara, number 12, Florida State. Rutgers, number three, Miami. And number 24, Oklahoma and Virginia. Today's baseball action. Softball scores today. Already in the books. Virginia Tech beat number 20 South Carolina 8-6 at the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational in Clearwater, Florida. Number 13 Michigan over Louisville 6-2 at the ACC Big Ten Challenge in Chapel Hill. UNCG, UNC Greensboro, beat Virginia 2-0 that in the Winthrop Tournament in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Again, just down the road from the studios here of Locked on ACC. Iowa beats Boston College 4-0. Notre Dame over Illinois 1-0. Number 2 Washington... Shuts out Florida State, the Seminoles number five in the nation. That is a seven nothing final. Number thirteen Michigan over number twenty two North Carolina four three. Clemson leads Maryland three one bottom four. Uh, nice week for Clemson softball. Got on the ACC network on national TV early in the week. Had a no hitter and one of their first two games at home. I see you, Tigers. Rutgers over Syracuse seven four top four. Georgia Tech leads Nebraska 1-0, top two. Ohio State, NC State scoreless, top two. Louisville and Wisconsin underway later today. Michigan State, Pittsburgh, Indiana Duke, Virginia Winthrop, and Florida State, Minnesota. There's your baseball and softball updates for the day. Also wanted to share with you something from D1 Baseball. If you are a college baseball fan at all, you know 
D1 Baseball. They shared their crystal ball, their preseason field of 64 earlier today. The ACC with 10 teams in that 64. Among those, Louisville projected to host a regional and to win the ACC. They would be in a proposed regional with Quinnipiac, Missouri State, and Minnesota. Duke also projected to host a regional. They would be the 16 seed, according to this projection. They would welcome Norfolk State, Coastal Carolina, and East Carolina in this projection. Virginia projected as the number two seed in the Vanderbilt Regional in Nashville. Miami projected to host a regional in Coral Gables, along with Penn, Florida Atlantic, and South Carolina. Georgia Tech projected to go to the Gainesville Regional and play at Florida as a two seed. Wake Forest projected as the two seed in the Ann Arbor Regional in Michigan. NC State projected as a two seed in the Athens Regional in Georgia. North Carolina projected as the two seed in Starkville, the Mississippi State Regional. Clemson projected as the third seed to wind down the ACC representation in Fayetteville. That regional projected to be hosted by Arkansas. So as we mentioned, 10 teams projected ACC baseball looking to have another solid season. Also a lot of representation in the top 25 for the ACC in baseball. So we start the season, North Carolina, number 23, Georgia Tech, number 19, Wake Forest, 18th, NC State, 16, Duke, 15, Florida State, 12. And then, of course, the two biggies, Miami, 3, Louisville, 1. Baseball underway today. Some more baseball to look at over the weekend when we're talking about the ACC. Then we'll start getting into conference play early this year. Conference play just around the corner. But tomorrow, if you're looking for something to do, if you're looking to get out of the doghouse, whatever it may be, some of the notable games tomorrow, UNC Greensboro, Virginia Tech, that an 11 a.m. first pitch, Army at number 15, Duke, that at 1 o'clock, Liberty continues its series at Clemson, 1 o'clock, Niagara at number 12, Florida State, 2 o'clock, JMU and number 16, NC State, 2 o'clock, Milwaukee and number 18, Wake Forest at 2 o'clock. Middle Tennessee and North Carolina continue their series, 2 o'clock. Cincinnati, number 19, Georgia Tech, 2 o'clock. Louisville and Old Miss continue their series. That a 2.30 first pitch tomorrow. And number 24, Oklahoma and Virginia continue the Wahoos Classic in Pensacola, Florida. That a 5 o'clock first pitch tomorrow. So this is the first day, the first weekend of ACC baseball. Welcome back. Everybody starts to feel a little bit warmer. Get to shake off the cold a little bit. Baseballs are flying. The bat is pinging. And of course, that ringing in the hands as you foul a ball off. If you ever played baseball, especially this time of the year, you remember that feeling. It's not a fun one. Now that we've given you the baseball and softball breakdown, let's go ahead Take our first break of the program. We'll come back, talk about Wednesday's basketball action and what's coming up this weekend. You are listening to Locked on ACC. Welcome back to Locked on ACC, February 14th, Valentine's Day 2020. I'm Brian Wilmer. I'm at Sports Matters on Twitter. If you want to follow me personally, before I told you how to follow the program. We talked about baseball and softball in segment one. On to basketball from Wednesday. Three games and three 
surprising results. Let's just call it as it is. Three surprising results. We'll start with Miami boat racing Boston College 85-58 on Wednesday. Isaiah Wong, 21 points for the Canes on 7 of 10, shooting 2 of 2 from 3, 5 of 6 from the line. Chris Likes and Cameron McGinty had 16 and 12, respectively, for Miami. Rodney Miller scored 11 and hauled in 7 boards. Miami, 57.7% from the field, 30 of 52. They were 40% from 3, 8 of 20. Miami hit 17 of 21 from the line. They were 13 of 14 in the second half. Miami had 38 points in the paint, as did Boston College. 38 of 85 and 38 of 58 are much different distributions, however. Kamari Williams paced BC with 14, 6 of 10 from the floor, 2 of 3 from 3. Jay Heath, Nick Popovic had 10 each. BC shot 37%, 23 of 62 from the deck. They were 21.1% from 3, 4 of 19. BC strode to the line just 14 times. They hit 8. Miami led by as many as 21 in the first half. A 6-0 BC run narrowed the interval margin to 15, and then you saw how it wound up. The thoughts from Boston College coach Jim Christian after that game. You know, I think when those, hap- when those things happen, a lot of coaches, they, they just look at it from their perspective, right? I give them full credit. They made plays. They attacked us in transition. Um, we did an awful job matching up. We did an awful job guarding the ball. It was 14-14, and we missed a couple easy shots, I thought. Um, and then we just stopped competing for about four or five minutes the way, we came, the way you have to do to beat a team with that type of firepower that they have. And, and so we let them get comfortable. And, and again, I'm, you know, I'm very disappointed in our team, but I, give them, I want to give them credit because they still got to make great plays, and they made them. So, I mean, sometimes I think we get too wrapped up in ourselves. How different is Miami when they have all their players back? How, I mean, they didn't have Sam, but other than that, they have been missing a lot of those players over the last several games. Yeah, I think it helps everybody when they have everybody back. And they've played a very difficult schedule, so they played the top three teams twice, right? That's six of their losses. I mean, that's a lot of teams in this league would have six losses. So um, they're obviously better, but you couldn't tell tonight. We were so bad, it was hard to tell how good they were playing. But they are obviously better. Thoughts on Wong, Isaiah Wong with 21 points tonight? Um, I get all, all four of their guards. They started four guards. All four of them can score. All four of them can get in the lane. All four of them can drive it. They can all make shots. So um, they're a lot to handle. Yeah, I mean, again, we got the ball on top of the basket. I mean, we missed layups. We missed open three-point. We were one for ten from three. I mean, I give it, again, it's it's probably a combination. I'm, I'm looking at it from our perspective where I'm unbelievably disappointed. We had a good opportunity here tonight to, to do some things, and we didn't even compete the way we need to. So I'm disappointed. I take responsibility for it. Well, he pretty much summed it up there. If you're Jim Christian and you say the word awful multiple times and talked about your team not competing – That'll pretty much tell the story for you. Miami, of course, we talked about that the other day, how they were, I think it was a five-point favorite. They were the last place team in the ACC, and they were a fairly sizable favorite. I don't know if anybody expected that, though. Georgia Tech beat Louisville. Number five Cardinals fall to Georgia Tech 64-58. Louisville, as you'll recall, beat Georgia Tech by just four earlier in the year. That is 68-64 final and another close game between the two on Wednesday. Just two cards finished in double figures. Malik Williams, David Johnson had 32 of Louisville's 58. Both of those guys, interestingly enough, fouled out. 
They had to put in some work to get to those numbers, though. They went a combined 11 of 24 from the field, 9 of 14 from the line. Louisville was uncharacteristically terrible from the field. They shot 33.9%, 19 of 56 from the field, just 12.5%, 3 of 24 from distance. Louisville missed seven free throws. They were 17 of 24. That's obviously problematic in a six-point game. Jordan Wara, just two points on one of six shooting and 0 of four from three. Chris Mack talked in the comments, and I don't think we'll get to that part, but he talked about in the comments how Georgia Tech matched up a guard on Jordan Wara, and he kept on trying to post him up and wasn't tough enough. Five Jackets finished in doubles. Jose Alvarado at 18 to lead Georgia Tech. Moses Wright, 12. Michael DeVoe, Jordan Usher, 11 each. James Banks, the third, 10. Tech wasn't a lot better from the line. They were 20 of 28. They only hoisted 14 threes, however. They hit four. 20 of 46 for 43.5% from the floor were the Jackets. Mentioned we would hear some of Chris Mack's comments. Here's what Chris Mack had to say following that loss on Wednesday. Throughout this this press conference, I'm going to reference my team and talk about our lack of toughness and our lack of execution and uh, all the things that plagued us because it's it's my team. But I say all that, and I don't want to misconstrue throughout the entire press conference that I thought Josh's team, their guys were ready to play. I thought they were excited to play. I thought they took the fight to us. And I think sometimes coaches don't credit the other team and they sit here and tell you guys how poorly their own team played. And so as the press conference goes on and I, and I talk about how poorly we played, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that I thought their game plan was excellent. They played us man-to-man the entire game and, uh, and we couldn't score. And um, it hasn't been a huge problem for our team all year. Uh, I give tremendous credit to uh, Coach Pastner, his staff, and the, the players for doing what they did tonight. On our end of the floor, we, we didn't start the game with the proper mindset, the right energy, the right toughness level that's required to win on the road. And uh, we've talked about a lot that if you set the tone the wrong way and the other team has a lot of positive momentum to start the game, they're going to feed off that. And that's exactly what they did. We fought up, uphill the entire game um, and what I thought was a lack of energy and readiness on our part. So. Again, fairly pointed comments from Chris Mack. And it's, it's funny listening to Chris Mack because, as I've mentioned on this program, I cover a lot of Big South Conference basketball. And Pat Kelsey, the Winthrop coach, came from the same pedigree as Chris Mack both Skip Prosser guys, both Xavier guys. And it's funny listening to Chris Mack and listening to Coach Kelsey and hearing how alike they sound, particularly in pressers. But just a a tough effort for Louisville all the way around. And I think Georgia Tech kind of gives people the blueprint if you can execute it on how to neutralize Louisville. Now, that's the question. Can people utilize that blueprint? We'll see that as the season winds down and we get toward NCAA tournament play. One other game to break down... Clemson beat Pitt 72-52. Alamir Dawes finished one point off his career high, which was 19 against Alabama A&M earlier in the year. He had 18 on 5 of 9 from the floor, 4 of 7 from 3. Tevin Mack, 16. Amir Sims, 12 for the Tigers. Mack secured 9 of Clemson's 35 boards. Clemson, 22 of 44 
from the floor, 50%. They were 59%, 13 of 22 from distance. Champagne and Tony combined for 21 of the Panthers, 52. No other Pitt players ended up in double figures. Pitt didn't really have a great night in any aspect. 31 and a quarter percent from the floor. They were 15 of 48, 4 of 14 from 3, 28.6%, and 64.3% from the line, 18 of 28. Now the thoughts of Pitt head coach Jeff Capel. Uh, we played a team that was really hungry. They had lost three in a row, uh, been dealing with some injuries, illness, and they were back whole uh, tonight and really played with a sense of urgency. And uh, they played terrific. You know, they were shooting 29% from three coming into this game in conference play, and they were 59% today. I think they made 13 of them. Um, and just uh, they were terrific, and uh, so congrats to them. I'm disappointed in our performance. Um, we were just bad across the board. Uh, energy, communication, um, execution, uh, on both sides and really disappointing uh, performance by us. Um, Got to learn from it, move on to the next play, and get ready for the next one. That three-point shooting, how much of it is uh, about your defense not getting out to the open shooters? It was a combination of a lot of different things. Uh, it was some breakdowns defensively, uh, allowing middle penetration, which uh, forces help. Um, them making shots there when we tried to go zone uh, we, we tried to talk about keeping the ball out the middle they were able to get it there which collapses the zone and uh, get it out to shooters and so I think it was a combination of you know they made some they, they, they made a lot of shots obviously but I do think a lot of it had to do with breakdown in their defense and then they executed look I don't want to make this about just like they played really well and so we should really congratulate them they did a lot of good things did you sense this coming uh in, in practice a little bit i did in what way what did you know I, I just you know we, we we won saturday and obviously it was a big win and a good win for us and uh you know just the energy in practice wasn't what 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 it needs to be as we're going forward you know i i, I thought we i thought we played i thought we played tired I thought we looked tired. And uh, this is the time of the season where you are tired, um, but we have to be able to push through. And so uh, in, in, in practice on Monday and Tuesday, again, trying to be mindful of, of guys playing a lot of minutes and uh, fear of injuries, so not doing as much contact, um, really trying to concentrate on game plan, on what we want to do on both sides of the floor. Uh, getting reps in, getting shots up, all those things. Um, it just wasn't the energy that uh, is needed you know, to win this time of year. A couple of interesting comments there from Capel. First of all, I wanted to touch on the energy piece because it's really funny to see teams kind of going in two different directions at this point of the year. You see some teams where you would figure, okay, they're tired. Capel talked about being tired this time of year. Some of those teams show you that they're tired. They give you that effort. Some teams power through. I've seen teams just this week that probably had every right to be tired and pushed through. I've seen some teams that probably didn't have as much reason to be tired and they gave uninspired efforts. You heard from Capel there. One other comment too. The question came up about three-point shooting and about getting out to open shooters. This brings up a really interesting conversation. I could probably take 
five more shows and talk about this, but you'll notice a lot of times whenever teams give up big-time three-point efforts, it comes down to late closeouts. If you ever want to have interesting conversations with coaches, talk about late closeouts because if you ever watch when teams spray the ball around, particularly if there's a paint touch, a post entry, and then they spray back out for three, watch the closeout. Teams are always taught to catch up while the ball is in the air, to get out and close down that space while the ball is in the air and contest on the catch. That way, you're forcing contested shots. If you start to close out as the ball is being caught, you're late. If you start to close out when the shot goes up, you're absolutely late. But it's those late closeouts. Guys don't really care about a late hand in the face. They're not concerned about that. They want that closeout if you're coaching defense. They want that closeout by the time the catch is made. Not everybody is Zion Williamson where you can leap halfway across the floor and block a shot into the third row when you close out late and it gets onto Sports Center and everybody gets all excited when in reality it wasn't the best fundamental defense. You always want to watch those teams that make up space as the ball's in the air, contest on the catch, and contest on the shot. So just keep that in mind. A quick look at this weekend's basketball action coming up right around the corner as we take the second break of the program. We'll also get you in the spirit for Valentine's Day. Because shouldn't you be? This is Locked on ACC. If you've listened to this podcast, you've probably heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But what you may not know is that Locked On ACC is a great way for your local business to reach passionate ACC fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with ACC fans and a predominantly male audience that's well-educated with disposable income, let's put your company right here on Locked On ACC. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back. The final segment of Locked On ACC. For Valentine's Day 2020, I'm Brian Wilmer. Mentioned we tell you about the basketball action coming up this weekend. We have six games tomorrow, one game on Sunday. Tomorrow, noon, ESPN2, Syracuse at number 8, Florida State, the Orange 14-10. and 10. Kind of a must-win game for them. 2 o'clock, Wake Forest in Miami, that a regional broadcast. 4 o'clock for number 5, Louisville at Clemson, that an ACC network game. Also 4 o'clock over ESPN, Notre Dame at number 7, Duke. 6 o'clock ACC Network is Pitt at Virginia Tech. Virginia, North Carolina on ESPN at 8 o'clock. And then Sunday, 6 o'clock over ACC Network, NC State at Boston College. There are your games for the weekend. We'll break them down on Monday's program. It's Valentine's Day, so we're going to take this final segment to give you some tips about Valentine's Day, some things to get you through the day, whether you're wanting to celebrate with someone or whether you're wanting to just treat yourself. Some food stuff that you can get for free or discounted 
Auntie Anne's pretzels. You can have a buy one, get one on heart-shaped pretzels. You can get a heart-shaped bagel from Brugger's. Chick-fil-A has its food in a heart-shaped container, which you can get that container if you buy 30 Chick-fil-A nuggets, 10 chicken minis, or 6 chocolate chunk cookies. You can get a $25 meal for two at Chili's, a starter, two full-sized entrees, and a dessert for $25. The $5 margarita of the month is the Hearts on Fire Rita. You can go to Hooters for Valentine's Day. They have the Shred Your Ex promotion. If you buy 10 wings and destroy a photo of your ex, you can get 10 boneless wings for free. You can also digitally shred it over the Hooters website and get a coupon. Krispy Kreme, and wow, Krispy Kreme, while it is a business in AC's footprint, there's a lot of polarizing thoughts on Krispy Kreme. They have their Conversation Heart Donuts on sale. You remember those Conversation Hearts that you used to get as a little kid, the little chalky ones? They have those in donut form at Krispy Kreme. You can have the dinner for two to go from Olive Garden starting at $35, which I thought all their food was $35, including super salad and breadsticks, dipping sauces, a shareable entree for two, and a dessert. You can also create a breadstick bouquet from Olive Garden. Just don't propose there, as somebody mentioned on Twitter earlier. Maggiano's, you can spend 85 bucks for their That's Amore meal for two, which features any starter or two side salads, two entrees, a dessert, two beverages, and a small box of chocolate Zucato bites. You can also spend 55 bucks for a meal for two carryout. Gives you a starter, two side salads, two entrees, and a dessert. The Papa Murphy's pizza chain has take-and-bake heart-shaped pizzas. And of course, what would Valentine's Day be without Waffle House? For Valentine's Day, Waffle House in some of their locations will have the white tablecloths for special dinner service. You can also contact Waffle House for reservations. So if you really want to class up the joint, take your sweetheart to Waffle House for the evening. While we're talking about Valentine's Day, we should also kind of maybe trigger some bad memories for you. Recall you may have had bad first dates in your life. Everybody's had those at some point. Dateline, Massachusetts. Hi, BC fans. Bad first dates usually include a lot of awkwardness and not a lot of chemistry, but they don't involve bank robberies until they do. A single mother in Massachusetts had a first date nightmare with someone she met on a dating app when they decided to rob a bank on their first date, making her the unwitting getaway driver, CNN reports. Shelby Sampson... 40, met 30-year-old Christopher Castillo on a dating app on December 5, 2016. Castillo pled guilty this week to charges relating to the following chain of events. Samson picked up Castillo from his parents' home in Rhode Island, drove 30 minutes east to North Attleboro, Massachusetts. Samson told police Castillo drank wine in the passenger seat as they drove. Castillo eventually told her to pull up next to a bank, which she did. Castillo got out of her Nissan Maxima and went inside the bank, all without telling Samson what he was doing robbing the bank. According to the district attorney's office, while inside the Bristol County Savings Bank, Castillo showed a teller a gun and said he was really hurting and that he needed money badly. He demanded $1,000 from the teller. Castillo then ran outside of the bank, hopped in Samson's Maxima, and told her to effing go. 
Samson says she panicked and obeyed at first, but when she spotted police lights, she pulled over and stepped away from her car while Castillo stayed inside and hid from police. Police pulled a violent Castillo out of the car who struggled with police, spit on them, and told him his gun was not loaded, according to court documents. After police cuffed Castillo, they searched the car and found the gun, $1,000 in cash, and a hat and sunglasses he was seen wearing inside the bank. Samson was initially arrested for being an accomplice, but those charges were later dropped. Castillo pled guilty to the bank robbery and resisting arrest charges. He was sentenced to three years in state prison for the bank robbery and two years in the Bristol County House of Corrections for his resisting arrest. I've been on bad first dates in my life. Thankfully, I've never been on a first date with somebody who tried to rob a bank. And of course, if you want to talk about love gone wrong, there's this. A Smith's Grove, Kentucky woman, hi Louisville fans, who shot and injured her boyfriend after a dispute over a thermostat has been sentenced to 15 years in prison. Commonwealth attorney Chris Coron told WNKY that Candy Moss, 53, was sentenced Monday in a Warren County courtroom by Judge Steve Wilson. Moss had previously entered a guilty plea on a charge of first-degree assault. The shooting occurred at a home in the 800 block of College Street and Smith's Grove in the early morning hours of November 29, 2018. Moss shot Steve Flynn after a two-week-long argument over a thermostat in the residence. Two weeks? Arguing over a thermostat? Why? The couple had been together for three years. Flynn was shot multiple times with a 38 caliber revolver. He survived the shooting. I'm naturally a cold-natured person. I'm not arguing with anybody for two weeks over a thermostat. Just not happening. And then finally, while we were talking about food and stuff like that, if you want a last-minute Valentine's Day present, you can get this. There's nothing KFC won't do for a marketing campaign. The fried chicken chain has collaborated with Crocs to introduce two limited-edition pairs of finger-licking good shoes. The first, Kentucky Fried Chicken X Crocs, or Times Crocs, or Ann Crocs, or whatever, Bucket Clog, is a sky-high platform avant-garde slipper debuted by artist Me Love Me A Lot during New York Fashion Week. Featuring a deceptively realistic pattern and a nod to the restaurant's iconic red-striped bucket, the exotic shoe comes with two removable, scented, Gibbets charms that look like fried chicken drumsticks. Quote, Combining the unmistakable look of our world-famous fried chicken and signature KFC bucket with the unparalleled comfort and style of Crocs. What? Unparalleled comfort and style? These shoes are what fried chicken footwear dreams are made of, KFC US CMO Andrea Zaumensky said in a statement. A second, more consumer-friendly version of the classic Crocs clog say that 10 times fast, will be available for purchase this spring. Quote, As Crocs continues to create new unexpected brand collaborations, we're thrilled with this bucket lit. Oh, come on. Come on, people. You're better than that. I know you're marketing people, but come on. We're thrilled with this bucket list partnership with KFC that will bring fans an unbelievably fun and fashionable take on our classic clog, according to Terrence Riley, Crocs SVP and CMO. Available in unisex sizes, the Kentucky Fried Chicken X Crocs Classic Clog will retail for $59.99. You can go in stores and buy 10 pairs of Crocs for $59.99. All because this one smells like some chicken, you're going to pay $60? Come on. Fans can sign up online to receive a reminder when the limited edition footwear goes on sale later this year. I, I would close this out with a bad pun, but you know what? Those guys already stole my thunder. They took the bad one. So, now that my spirit has been broken, 
That'll be it for Locked on ACC, February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2020. See you back here Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe, please. You've been listening to Locked on ACC. Love you. Mean it. <laughs>